Thank you for your attention and for your practice. I'm still getting a, a, a sense of this online teaching and <clears throat> I'm not quite attuned in the same way just due to the limitations of distance and technology. Um, and I appreciate and am surprised by um, a notable, a noticeable sense of value in being together in, in this way. And I, there, there's something about it I really like. Um, I'm reminded of that again, again tonight. So, if you haven't done so, make make yourself more comfortable. Um, I didn't say this at the beginning of our time together, but you, of course, uh, have the option to have your video on. And you can also turn your video off if for any reason that's preferable or, or more comfortable. Um, I think it's... Uh, I think it's nice for people to be able to see each other, uh, given that we spend most of our time indoors and not bumping into people and uh, having the same kind of connections. But if it's if it's better to have the the video off for any reason, please please take care of yourself and and do that. So I I. I th I think to start, um, I'm going to state the obvious, which is that life amidst a pandemic is unlike anything we have ever experienced. Um, I, I trust, and I begin this talk with, with, with a, a genuine trust that you've witnessed this yourself in novel thoughts that passed through your own mind. Um, will the grocery store ever have frozen vegetables again? Um, here in Gloucester, the grocery stores do, but when I left Cambridge, uh, the grocery stores did not. Um, so you've witnessed the strangeness of this time in your own thoughts in various reverberations of concern uh, higher than normal stress in your own body. I've noticed this uh, throughout the day personally. I've noticed it um, in the narratives of the people who I counsel in the afternoons. However, many of the the mind states and emotions that we are likely to be experiencing right now are not out of the ordinary at all. Even if they are dramatically elevated, maybe more chronic, uh, possibly uh, and very likely harder to regulate. Um, with some reflection, I think a way a health crisis affects us doesn't necessarily introduce new mental states, maybe perhaps with the exception 
of trauma, but rather brings to the surface states that might not be as prevalent when our environment is more predictable, when our environment is more familiar, but are nonetheless features of our own mind. Worry, fear, overthinking, problem solving, restlessness at nighttime when trying to sleep, distracting ourselves, anxiety. We may never have had the experience of not knowing when we will resume our normal work, but we may have felt alienated from work at times of illness. We may have felt financial stress during a layoff or when an organization we work for had to cut our hours or when a program we were involved in got canceled for some reason. We may never have been forced to stay home, uh, but we might know what loneliness feels like when our apartment or home has the eerie empty feeling, uh, say after a breakup or a divorce, when the uh, the hum of activity is replaced with the more dull silence of emptiness. Uh, someone not being there anymore. The problem, I, I think, and the cause of much duress during this time is not the unpredictability or lack of familiarity, but rather something else that's much harder to recognize. And that is the fact that we are wired to do everything we can to ensure predictable terms for our own life. It's one of the ways we try to keep ourselves safe. This sometimes works in our favor. It's also one of the ways we seek happiness uh, and also spiritual liberation. Uh, this never works in our favor. Right now, in particular, all bets are off in terms of predictability and familiarity. Something that uh, has been, though logistical, um, initially logistical, uh, trying uh, and uh, um, required a lot of energy in my own life, and that is that I am and some of you know this, I'm scheduled to move really soon to a new house, which is, it's so close I could walk to it. And the house I live in is sold, and so um, my partner and I need to leave here. And the fire department has told us that they won't give us an occupancy permit because they can't go to the house to do an inspection. So... Where will I live? Where will my furniture go? Where will my clothes go? If I'm going to live out of a bag, what clothes do I put in the bag? Um, as my uh, barber pointed out recently, uh, he said people are at home and suddenly realize they have a whole family there. 
while this is obvious, what his statement implies is that we are not used to being at home all day with our family. Most of us are not. And that finding new rhythms that work for everyone can be challenging. If we live alone, uh, we are not used to the level of detachment caused by social distancing. Even for those who enjoy living alone and do, their ability to do so is often made possible by how they balance that solitude with other ways of connecting socially, ways that may no longer be available to them. You may by now be noticing your own um, six-foot shuffle occasionally, uh, the way you slide across the, the, the grocery aisle to get as far from others as possible. This is, not, this is not our usual way of moving amongst strangers. Um, the feeling that I might get something, something invisible might be here. Your daily work schedule, if you are employed, whatever it was, is probably different. Uh, and you don't know when it will go back to normal. One of many variations of not knowing that are coming up for people. We all share the new inability to do social things, and we don't know when we can resume the activities that usually bring us together with others. Um, more often than normal in my experience as someone who uh, spends part of every day uh, teleconferencing, the internet blips due to overuse. You might wonder when you can get a haircut again, when you can take your car in for service. Um, in more distressing Scenarios, you might wonder if aging parents, relatives, or friends will survive if they become infected. You may have thought about how hard it would be if someone you loved was sick and you were not able to visit them in the hospital. Visiting someone in the hospital right now would be unlikely. Here in my own house, my partner and I discussed how we would open packages that come in the mail. We decided that we would bring them in the house, wash our hands, and leave them on the floor for 24 hours before opening them. None of us have ever lived in such a time with such a unique set of conditions, all of which work together to completely strip us of any sense of normalcy. There is a groundlessness that surrounds us and which fills us in any moment that we allow ourselves to grasp the truth that we do not have any control. Groundlessness is often more obvious in times of crisis. Groundlessness 
reveals itself during times that we don't try to close that gap, don't try to fix the things that bother us. We are returned to a state of groundlessness when we resolve to feel the things we are avoiding because we have come to terms with the fact that it is bigger than us, somehow more complex. Sometimes we understand that we don't have the authority, the power, or the capacity to change conditions outside of ourselves. This is not because we're flawed, uh, but rather because the causes and conditions that make up any given moment in time are so complex that both their comprehension and control evade us. The Dharma tells us that the universe is fundamentally unpredictable. By this, I do not mean that the world itself is flawed, or even unsafe for that matter, but rather simply that things are not what they seem. We could say that we fight against groundlessness because we believe in permanence. The idea that we can contort our world somehow, we can contort other people, our environment, and even our own mind in our own mind into behaving the way we want. This view is accompanied by a parallel illusion. The idea that once we do get the world, do get other people and our environment and our own mind to do what we want, that we will somehow be able to keep it that way. We'll be able to lock it down. Even those of us who have meditated for years will catch ourselves sometimes doing exactly that, that pattern repeating itself. This is often our idea of mastery passed down from generation to generation and disseminated through self-help literature and self-elected gurus who tell us to work harder, let go, or to follow our intentions, stop believing negative thoughts, etc., etc., etc. It's nearly hardwired. Um, even, even positive psychology, which I do think holds some real merit, su- suggests that we can almost will ourselves into a better version of ourselves. Um, it's almost as if this better version of ourselves will somehow do a better job at controlling the world. From this point of view, so much of our behavior is based on the idea that we are trying to get somewhere. And once we arrive, we will finally be happy, happy forever, with no interruption. If we could just find a way to figure it out. Maybe as it pertains to a pandemic, we will just feel safer if we can just figure it out. Um, if we could just have some elusive answer at our ready for the next next obstacle, uh, this the next obstacle this disease presents. This is a tall order. 
This, this is a near impossible task. Um, and now, much to our dismay, we find ourselves thinking that the coronavirus is somehow making it all more difficult. Actually, I think the coronavirus is playing the role of shattering our delusion. In a very real sense, from a Dharma point of view, it's waking us up. It is the Dharma right before our eyes. If I am at all correct in the coronavirus does put us in touch with a sense of groundlessness. It is therefore a proxy to wisdom. Groundlessness is the largest truth we come through, we come to through years of dedicated meditation practice. Groundlessness is inseparable from anatta, not self alongside a deep understanding of how suffering is both created and alleviated. What we learn through meditation practice when all the variations of behavior are distilled into one reoccurring theme is that we are consumed with trying to avoid the groundlessness of life. And what we miss out on as a result of this conditioning is the experience of real freedom. We grasp for what we want but don't have. We push away that which is before us, which we don't like. In both cases, we simply are not present with the truth. We are missing life entirely, living in hope, living in fear, living in expectation, rather than what is. Alternatively, when we are truly in touch with the groundlessness that is now before us, the the felt sense of it, not the idea, There's nothing to gain or lose. In a sense, everything is already lost. And in that particular kind of loss, life has taken on a fullness that is greater than anything our grasping has ever afforded us. The effort to control our environment, having subsided temporarily,